You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. I want to share two big, huge truths that you need to know. Uh, Now, please uh, stay with me. These are kind of obvious. If they're not obvious to you, they should be. But they are still big, huge truths that we need to make sure we understand. Okay? Here's the first. God is in charge. He is in charge. He rules and He makes the rules. Secondly, you are not God. Now that may be news to some of you younger ones or older ones. You are not God. That means... You are not in charge. How many of you know somebody who's a bit of a control freak? How many of you are sitting next to... No, don't do that, okay? (laughs) But but we, we know people that are. Sometimes it's very difficult to let go of things. How many of you know somebody who's a fixer? They try and fix everything except their own things, apparently. But listen, you are not God. You are not in charge. God is in charge. He makes the rules. Now, intellectually, we understand that, right? If you've been around the church for a while, if you've read the scripture, if you've studied, I mean, the Bible begins with God. In the beginning, God. The Bible ends with God. We all go to live with Him. And and all through the middle, it's all about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet we sometimes want to be in charge ourselves. Now, here's what you got to think about, all right? God's in charge. You're on your big vacation, you get two flat tires, or you miss your flight, or you get in an accident, or you're terribly sick. How many of you have gone on vacation and ended up sick? That happens sometimes. Are you comfortable with God being in charge and allowing that in your life? On Monday, you get back to work and it feels too windy. We've had some really windy days. I've had a hard time breathing in these really windy days. And so the big windy days, do you remember that God is in charge of the weather? So if you say it's too windy, you're saying God didn't control things well enough? On Tuesday afternoon, there's there's a work delay that really frustrates you. Do you remember that God is in charge of the circumstances of your life? On Wednesday, you're going to have lunch with a friend. You've looked forward to it, maybe for a week or two. And you get ready and you show up and they don't. They forgot. Are you okay with God being okay with that? God knew this was coming. It was okay with him. What's your problem? On Thursday, you get super annoyed over political decisions in the state and federal level. Nobody's ever experienced that in America, right? But, you know, those other countries. And, and so you're really upset about that. Do you remember that God is the one who oversees and superintends the government and God allowed this? 
On Friday, and by the way, God wants you to be respectful of the government even when they're wrong. You don't have to agree with them, but you do have to show respect to them even, even when they're wrong. On Friday, you accidentally drop your cell phone into a puddle of dirty water or some other little round wet thing. Do, do you remember that everything you have belongs to God and it's just on loan to you? Do you look at that mangled phone and say, I wonder why God let that happen to his cell phone? Uh, on Saturday, you, you feel like you need some personal time. You, you just, you're ready for some downtime. And then instead, you got rowdy kids or a rowdy spouse, and, and you're just, you need a break. Do you remember that family is a heritage and a blessing from the Lord? On Sunday, when you walked into church this morning, were you remembering that this is a special meeting of God's people, meeting in God's house to worship and appreciate Him, and that, that God would be speaking into your heart through the songs and the conversations that we have in this place? See, God is absolutely, completely, radically in charge. We need to remember that. God rules over every part of life on earth. Every part of your life and mine. So what we're going to do this morning, you see on the screen, Isaiah 40 through 46. We're not going to read all of that, but we're going to start in Isaiah 40. And then we're going to go to a couple other chapters in Isaiah, ending in chapter 46. And so we're not going to look at all of it. And last week I had you turning all over your Bible and looking in different places. It's all you have to turn to today is in Isaiah. So we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 40. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah 40, verse 23. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Isn't it nice to know that God is in charge? There were some really popular, really dynamic leaders who were trying to take over the world, and God shut them down. And they failed. Psalm 33 says, Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it was done. You can't even speak and have your dog obey. God spoke and the universe obeyed. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of His heart to all generations. Now, in my family, for several centuries, there have been believers following the Lord, um, trusting in Him. Some of our, my relatives came over on the Mayflower uh, and seeking a new life, a new place to worship God uh, in, in answer of their conscience before God. And and so they came over, and, and we've been in this country for a long time, some of them. 
And uh, so all through those generations, God's word hasn't changed. I, I uh, just think of the tax laws. You know, every year I get a book about this thick and it has all the rules of the taxes that have changed this year. Because as a church and as a pastor, I have to keep up with, to make sure we as a church do right. Evelyn's responsible for that. And then make sure I'm doing what's right with mine. And, and it's ridiculous how many laws change every single year. And sometimes they change for no apparent reason at all. But God's rules don't change. They're not swayed by popular opinion. They're not swayed by political intensity. They are not swayed at all. God rules. Now turn over to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, and we're going to look in verse number 11. Okay? Isaiah 43, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. The only hope for the world is Jesus Christ, God the Son, who came and died for us. There is no Savior. He is God. Turn to the next chapter, chapter 44. Isaiah 44 and verse number 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Look down at verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer and He who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of babblers and drives diviners mad, and who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolish. God exposes and shows the, the bad thinking of those who seek to ignore Him and not trust and follow Him. He exposes the people who seem wise in this world, but they're not because they're not following God. Isaiah chapter 45, chapter 45, look in verse 5. I am the Lord, there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting, there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Jump down to verse 12. I have made the earth and created man on it. I, my hands, stretched out the heavens, and all their host I have commanded. Jump down to verse 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Look at the latter part of verse 21. Isaiah 45, 
21, the latter part, he says, There is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. One last turn, Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, look in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God rules over every part of life on earth. We need to remember that. We need to... Well, we need to hold ourselves especially, but other people to that standard of God's rules. And, and see, some people who are very forgiving of a politician, if that politician is in their party. But if that politician's not in their party, they want to expose, expose all the fallacies. But everybody's supposed to be held to the same standard. Years ago, I had the opportunity to travel and minister in Cuba. And on one of my flights to Cuba, I was, no, one of my flights out of Cuba, I was talking, sitting next to a guy, and he was the new, um, they don't call them ambassadors. What do they call them? I don't know. Well, no, but they, they, it, it, I, I can't remember. But the equivalent of an ambassador, only they call it something else. And... So he was the new Cuban ambassador to the Bahamas. And we had to fly into Nassau and then ride a rickety old Russian plane that actually was cooled by swamp cooling. It was not a pleasant flight. And when that first kicks in, you think the plane's on fire because this smoke comes up in the cabin and it's just the air conditioning. And so we're, we're right, and I'm talking with him on the plane, and I struck up a conversation with him. And, and I told him that I would be coming back to Cuba. And so we made an appointment to get together in Cuba uh, the next year. And so he was there and, uh, no, I'm sorry, in the Bahamas. He was the vice counselor or uh, the assistant ambassador. And so he, we made an appointment to get together the next year. And so as soon as I got into Nassau the next year, I called him. And we made arrangements to meet, and Pete Rice and I went and went with him. And uh, the, he had the ambassador in there, too. So uh, the ambassador knew all about life in the United States because he lived for D in Washington, D.C. for three years. I don't think he knew very much about the United States. Uh, and, but we got talking about things, and you know they were arguing about the superiority of Cuban things. Actually, Cuba has a higher rate of literacy than the United States does. Uh, and so he was talking about things like that, you know, and of course they also, when if you break a bone and go into the doctor, they can't do an x-ray because they can't afford the film, so they do a sonogram to try and find the break in the bone. So there, there's lots of bad stuff there too. Uh, but the, the ambassador, of course, and the assistant, about they were all gung-ho for Cuba. And but we talked about what, I said, what if, what if there was just a standard that all nations could look at? Instead of saying, 
you know, let's look at the United States and let's follow that, or let's look at Cuba and follow that. What if there was a standard and every nation could say that? Or what if there was an individual standard instead of saying, you know, our nation has it right, but this person, let's, let's look at that. That's the way it's done right. And they both agreed with me that, well, that would be great if we could have that person. I said, we actually do. His name is Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the model of humanity, God in the flesh. Well, they weren't very keen on that, but it's the truth. And so that ambassador who rejected Jesus in that setting, in fact, he soon after I brought Jesus into the conversation left the room. And his assistant ambassador stayed and talked with me for a while longer. And then Pete and I left and went back to join our wives for lunch. They'd, they'd gone shopping, or I guess Annette had gone shopping and Kathy had gone walking with Annette. Uh, but but we, we have a need to realize, we need to realize that God is in charge. He's in charge of every part of life on earth. So I'm not thrilled with all the things going on in the United States. I still would rather live here than anywhere else on planet Earth. My preference would be living in heaven. But until God takes me there, I'm not in a hurry to get there. And so God rules. Now, I I just want you to think, really think this through. God rules over politicians and governments. Daniel chapter 2, Daniel said, Blessed is the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and seasons. He removes the kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God is in control. Now, you may not like an election. We have some every year, every couple of years. And there may be something, you know, there may be 15 things on the ballot and, and you like 14 out of 15. But, but it's rare that you, the whole thing's over. Everything was exactly what I wanted. But God still is in charge. We submit to him. John 19, when, when Jesus didn't answer Pilate, Pilate is asking Jesus questions. And Jesus doesn't answer Pilate. And the Pilate says something like, you do not answer me? Like, how dare Jesus not answer me? And then he says, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus said, you have no power over me except what was given you by my father. Think about that. God the Father gave Pilate the authority to condemn Jesus to crucifixion. Now, we know why, right? But God rules over politicians and governments. And God rules over the stars in the universe. I like, I, Kathy and I have watched a couple of movies of like asteroids coming toward Earth and they need to, go out in space and save the planet, and, and they're pretty ridiculous. But they're, they're supposed to be dramas, but they end up being pretty funny because the the process. But the stars shine at his command. He spoke them into existence by name. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were, that all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. All things hold together. I, I said before that if Jesus wasn't holding your body together, the skin could fall off and you'd just be a little blob on the sidewalk. He's holding everything together. Some distracted, you won't follow the rest of the message, so come back, all right? The Lord has established His throne in the heaven, and His kingdom rules over all, Psalm 103, 19. When it, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places, Psalm 135, 6. The Lord rules. He's in charge of everything. He rules even over the decisions of men, Proverbs 19, 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. Often in Scripture, that people or nations pursue their own choices. And yet, the end result is exactly what God prophesied back here. And yet, nations and people have made all these choices, and then that's exactly what God said would happen. Their choices conform to God's plans and purposes. God rules over what seems like time and chance. Uh, Ecclesiastes says time and chance happens to them all. But remember, when Solomon wrote that, he was writing uh, under the sun without the knowledge of God. So in Ecclesiastes, whenever he says under the sun, he's writing about life on earth without the knowledge of God. And he talked about it being pointless and purposeless. And so at that, he said, time and chance happens to everybody. It's just kind of random. But then Solomon in his book of Proverbs acknowledged that the Lord is actually the one who supervises time and chance. Proverbs 16, 13, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is by the Lord. So you got a group of people and that day what they do is they cast lots. And they either throw them out or something. I don't know if you've ever been somebody trying to decide something. They couldn't decide it. So they said, draw straws. And then a person's holding them up like this. And so all the straws look the same height. And then you, you pick one. And then the one who gets the short straw, then you have to do the bad thing, whatever that unpleasant thing was. You, you drew the short straw. That's, uh, and so those, those are, God's the one who superintends that process. And he rules over what seems like time and chance because God is always God. He is always in charge. That's who he is. That's what he does. Job 42, Job said, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours um, can be withheld from you. James 4, 13 uh, through 15 talks about you're going to buy and sell and get gain. And then he says, here's what you need to remind yourself. If the Lord wills, we will do this. Lord willing, right? That's what country folks, you, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Well, that's still Lord willing because he can stop the creek from rising, can't he? Revelation 19, I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The Lord reigns. God rules. 
But sometimes we don't like the pain that God allows in our lives. A couple years ago, I was walking to Planet Fitness to work out, and I was already having trouble with my left knee. Uh, I was trying to get it replaced, but the VA thought I was far too youthful to do that. And uh, uh, they wanted me to wait till I was 65. Well, at the time, I was 59, and, and I was in a lot of pain, and I was just ready for it to be replaced. But uh, in December of that year, I was walking up to Planet Fitness to work out, and as, as I'm going across the Fry's parking lot, there's the Fry's gas station over there, and this great big SUV, like the size of a large Suburban, but I didn't recognize the make because it was older, it came in off the road, and he came into the parking lot, and I heard his engine revving. He's going, and then the automatic engine shifting gears, and then revving, and then shifting gears again. And I'm walking along, and I'm going this way, and he's going this way, and I'm thinking, that idiot's going to get somebody hurt. And then he turned straight at me. Now, I was wearing this really bright, what, what's the color of that shirt, Ben? That bright, no, the bright shirt that you gave me. What? Neon. Neon yellow. Okay. It's really bright, sorry. <laughs> but Ben made the shirt for me. And it, it's a neon shirt. I should have given you more information so you could have answered that. But, but it's really bright shirt. You know, I want cars to be able to see me when I'm out there. And I'm not the shortest guy on the block. I should have been visible to him. And he turned straight for me. And I yelled and I waved and I dove. And he slammed on the brakes and swerved to the right. I dove to my right. He swerved to his right. And he missed my feet by about that far. And got out of the car and saw he wasn't dead and jumped in and took off. I've never seen that car since in Casa Grande. He probably stole it. It's probably a stolen car, you know. I don't know. But, but I, got, I made it all the way over to Planet Fitness, but I was really hurting. So I had them call Kathy, or I called you. I had my cell phone. I called her, and I propped myself up against the side of the building until she got there. And then I couldn't even walk into the car, so a guy came out and helped me get into the, to the van. And uh, it long, long process, I ended up getting my knee replaced. But for months, I had to be on crutches and then a walker and then a wheelchair, and, and it was really awkward and painful. God allows pain in our bodies. God allows your heart to be broken. I can't tell you how many tears I've cried for the pain of friends who were really hurting for something that God allowed in their life. God allows our bodies to be broken. Like my knee was really... Afterward, the doctor said my knee was destroyed. That jumping out of the way just destroyed the inner part of my knee. He allows sickness, injuries, broken bones, torn ligaments, torn muscles, surgeries. God allows minds to be broken. My dad was one of the most intelligent people I've known. Uh, dad could read super fast, thousands of words a minute. And uh, he could, at, at one point, he was sitting on the couch when I was in high school, and he's reading the newspaper 
listening to a baseball game on the radio and watching a football game on TV and keeping up with all three at the same time. And when he was in the state legislature, he was the only legislator who read every word of everything that came up for a vote. The others had their staff read them and give them a synopsis. My dad got dementia. And he couldn't, he could no longer take care of himself. And that was very hard for him. We've had friends get Alzheimer's. Friends uh, have a stroke. Kathy's mom just recently had a stroke. Thankfully, they were able to get to the hospital, get it treated. Doesn't seem to be any lingering problems. That's not always the case. But she seems to be doing well. God allows brain tumors. A friend of ours in Texas um, had, a, had a tennis ball-sized brain tumor they had to remove. He wrote a book about it. God even allows our human spirits to be broken. Do you remember the book of Acts? Paul and Luke are on the ship, and they said, Luke writes, all hope that we should be saved was lost. They didn't have any hope of surviving. Their human spirit was broken. But, but God makes sure that whatever He allows, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, mental distress, uh, spiritual agony, everything that He allows in your life, He will use for a purpose. You may not know the good that's going to be accomplished till heaven, but you know He will use it for good. Ultimately, it will bring forth good, Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. He's going to work out good. So God allows bad, painful things, but it works out good. And I, I do have to tell you, Kathy and I went somewhere with my older brother and his wife, and when I was struggling with my knee, and my older brother had so much fun pushing his younger brother around in his wheelchair. So that made his day. If no other good came from it, I made my brother's day once. So, But Joseph and Paul could praise God from prison because they knew God was working good. They were unjustly in prison, but they could trust God in the process. And so, so we, we get to a bit of a quandary, right? God rules, and so if God's really that sovereign, if He's really ruling over everything, do people have any free will? And, and so some people say the answer to that is no. You don't even choose whether you get to go to heaven or hell. God chooses and you go to hell or heaven depending on on God's preordained decision. I had a friend who was a, what he called himself a five-point Calvinist. He, he, was, he was more of a hyper-Calvinist than John Calvin actually was. But, but uh, I told him, <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the nose and then look shocked and say, why did God want me to do that? <laughs> Some of you would join me in doing that, wouldn't you? <laughs> We could really give his nose a trouncing. But, but listen, if God really rules over everything, 
Do we have free will? If God rules over every part of life on earth and the choices of people, how can they have any effect? So it seems kind of either or, doesn't it? Either God rules or the choices of people. But God said it's not either or, it's both and. So God rules over every part of life on earth and the choices people make affect the outcomes. So in his sovereignty, God allows people to have free will, but it's limited free will. We can't choose to do whatever we want to do. We have to choose to do what is within the boundaries. So we have thousands of choices every day, but God makes sure that those choices do not go beyond the boundaries he has established. Here's two references. You might want to write this down. Matthew 23, 37, and James 4, 3, and 4. So Matthew 23, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? but you would not. Jesus didn't say, I love you, I care about you, I'd like to save you, but God the Father won't let me. He determined you'd have to go to hell. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I would do this, but you won't let me. James 4 uh, says, you have not because you ask not, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly with inappropriate desires. So again, the Holy Spirit did not tell James to write, you do not have you, because the sovereign God says no. Now, the sovereign God can say no, right? He does sometimes. God answers prayer, yes, no, and later. He's in charge. But there are times when he says no, but James was writing about those times when God was willing. God's ready, and you haven't asked. So, People get the strange idea that if people make choices that affect outcomes, then God is less sovereign. It's like he's little g God instead of big g God. Right? So let me stretch your brain for a moment. According to statisticians, the mind of the average person makes 35,000 decisions every day. I know what some of you are thinking, I might make 10. Yeah, well, somebody else has to make 70,000 to offset you. But no, the truth is, some are huge, big, and some are little ones. Some are tiny little ones. Some are the brain tracks, but your conscious mind is almost unaware of, unnoticed. So the current population of the world is 7,860,000,000 people. So calculating from that, so far in 2021, the minds of people on earth have made more than three quintillion decisions. That's 18 zeros. You got your hundreds, thousands, millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, quintillions. Three quintillion decisions on planet Earth, the average, okay? Now, some of those are huge decisions, like Charlie retiring. Some of those are, are big decisions. 
Some of those are itty-bitty little ones, like you put your sock on your right foot first today. Maybe you always do it that way, but the brain has to register that decision. And so 7.8 billion people making more than three quintillion decisions, yet not one of those decisions has moved things outside the boundaries God has set. Not one. Now, when I look at the sovereignty of God, that God is in charge, that makes God seem so much more massive. He's not God up there zapping you into be a robot and do what he says. I'm a little robot. No. You get to make decisions and make choices, and yet it's within the framework that God allows. We can't go beyond the boundaries he has set up. We serve an awesome God. And so in the scripture we find men and women, politicians and farmers, judges and soldiers, Canaanite prostitutes and Jewish priests, tax collectors and nationalistic zealots, young and old from dozens of nations, and they're all making decisions independently from one another. And each decision helped move the course of history, yet history moved exactly the way God prophesied because God rules over every part of life on earth. He rules over it all. Can you pop that up? I want, to, want you to look at this picture. We, we had a picture of the earth there, and it says God rules just over the earth, and then there's the earth. He's ruling over everything. Now, I know what some people say, well, if it's going to end up the way God wants, I might as well just go have fun, right? Paul talked about that in the book of Romans. If grace abounds because we sin, let's just sin like crazy so grace can really abound. And then Paul said, don't do it, don't go there, God forbid, don't let that happen. But don't get the idea that you can do whatever you want. God rules. Don't get the idea that you can ignore God's rules. Someday you'll be held accountable. In fact, you, you were talking about that in your trek lesson Thursday night. Megan showed the judgment seat of Christ and the judgment and the rewards that we can get. And so there was the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. And, and I wasn't able to be there, but I heard it was a really good lesson and I saw a couple pictures from it. And we're going to stand before God someday. Maybe today. And we're going to give an account. And so God has rules, and God makes the rules, and God enforces the rules. And you can make your own decisions, but you have consequences of those decisions. And God can stop people, just like he stopped Paul. Paul had a desire to go up and minister in this one area, and God said, no. So he said, okay, well, then I'll go over there. And God said, no. So then God led him over there, and he ended up in Macedonia. Later on, Paul ended up over there, but not till God said yes. God rules. We submit. You can trust him. You can follow him, and you can, with confidence, look forward to living with him in heaven because he promised that's how it would be.
Now, aren't you glad that the decisions of people you disagree with don't make any difference? God's in charge. Aren't you glad? You know, there's people over there who are glad that your decisions don't make a difference. None of us would want any human being to rule over all of earth. Well, that's not true. The toddlers would want to be ruling over all of earth. But once you grow up a little, you would not want that. But God rules. He is the one and only God, and He is ruling. So our need is to try and conform our life to His will. Because what He wants to accomplish is going to be accomplished with or without you. If you participate in it, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll miss out. I was uh, last week reading through um, Esther. I was reading through the book of Esther last week. And Mordecai says to Esther, Esther, maybe this is the reason you're the queen. God allowed you to be queen for such a time as this. And you should do this. But if you don't, then God will raise up deliverance from some other way because God will accomplish what God wants to accomplish. But we still sing the praise of Esther because she did stand up and her life did make a difference. And she's recorded in Scripture. And if she had not, we would have never heard the name Esther. Do what's right. Trust God even when he allows pain in your life. Pain on the outside, and even worse, pain on the inside. You can trust him. Father, we don't understand all the decisions that you make. You said we couldn't. Elsewhere in Isaiah, you said your thoughts are above our thoughts. Your ways are beyond our ways. We can't fully comprehend you. And I, for one, am very grateful because there's certain things on planet Earth that I don't understand. And if I could fully understand you, it would make you small. We thank you that we serve a great, big, huge, awesome God. We thank you that we can trust you, even when life hurts. That we know you are accomplishing something of your purpose, even through our pain. And so we pray that we would truly trust you that we would follow you, that we would seek to know your will and your way. And thank you that you chose to reveal yourself to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.